0: cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story this is the point
1: welcome to the point with me Li xin and opinions are coming to you from beijing Former Brazilian President Lula da Silva is set to become the new president of Brazil beginning on New Year's Day. He defeated incumbent President Jair Bolsonaro by a small margin in the run of vote. This will be his uh, third term after his previous tenure between 2003 and 2010. Lula's comeback has cemented a trend across Latin America of a rise in leftist governments including in Mexico, Argentina and Colombia. What has propelled the return of Lula? Why is Latin America tilting left? What could be the regional, even international implications? I'm pleased to be joined from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, by Michael De Paiva, former Brazilian ambassador to China, now member of the advisory boards of both the Brazilian Center of International Relations and China-Brazil Business Council, and here in Beijing by Professor Huo Xing at the China University of Political Science and Law. Gentlemen, welcome to The Point. So, uh, Ambassador De Paiva, let me go to you first. Um, Brazil's GDP actually dropped by some 40% since 2011, despite a small spike in 2017. Now, one in six urbanites live in ghettos in 2018. That's according to the World Bank, and some 700,000 people reportedly died of COVID-19, which is the second highest in the world. Is that the context of Lula's victory, and what does his victory what does his election mean for the country?
0: There are many ways to explain why Lula is coming back to government. Uh, one, uh, we have a divided country, as you expressed, as you mentioned in the beginning. Uh, the margin was very small. But there was a certain fatigue of the gov- of Bolsonaro's government in a certain way. And this fatigue has, had mainly to do with a number of points. First, uh, his attitude uh, to deal with COVID-19. The second thing is some of his ideas, like uh, the support to the sales of arms and weapons, uh, and, 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 and the idea that the Brazilians have to protect themselves, you see, uh, instead of having a public sector protecting Brazilians. The third point is too much emphasis on uh, behavioral aspects, much less than policy uh, decisions that are needed in Brazil. I think these are the main factors that contributed to Lula's uh, victory. Besides, you have Lula's past. He was a big leader in the past. Uh, He dealt with the poorest in Brazil in a very efficient way. So people remember that and that's why they re-elected Lula.
1: Mm. Professor Huo, what does it mean for China-Brazil relations? We are all big developing countries and both members of the BRICS and we've also had, always had a strong and steady relationship. So what will rulers win mean for bilateral ties?
2: Well, I have to say that this is a really a uh, fiercely contested of election. Lula uh, wins the election, I think, basically because the, the Brazilian people want change and from outside world especially from perspective of China I do hope that the, the relationship between the two countries can be strengthened in the future because if you look back at the period between uh, 2003 and 2011 when Lula was the president of Brazil he uh, you know uh, uh, regard China as one of the major partners of the country and he's, he was very active in strengthening the relationship between China and Brazilian countries and he is very active in you know, promoting relationship on a framework such as the BRICS. So I'm uh, you know, optimistic about the future between the relationship between the two countries.
1: Ambassador De Paiva, your take on the impact of uh, Lula's win on China-Brazil relations. I remember when Mr. Bolsonaro was elected, people had worries about China-Brazil ties, including me on the show. If you remember when he was elected, I had you on the show and uh, you actually reassured Uh, based on your personal observation at that time, that there there was not going to be significant shift in Brazil's policy with China, especially on trade. Now looking back, what's your assessment of the past few years in terms of bilateral trade and economic development and what to look forward ahead? Well, my assessment is that
0: despite the inadequate language used by Bolsonaro and some of his followers about the relations with China, things went very well. Uh, Trade numbers reached a peak last year with trade flows at $137 billion. This is really something new. Secondly, if I'm not mistaken, in 2021, Brazil was the largest recipient of Chinese ODI. This means that the investments continue to flow. The third point is that Chinese companies continue to operate in Brazil, And I think the best case is the case of Huawei, who is now an important participant and an important in our economy and and, and continues to be a major provider of equipment to the telecommunications sector and operating a number of new areas. And finally, the two countries were able to reach an agreement about two plans, a five-year plan and a 10-year plan looking towards the future. However, uh, there was not an environment of strong confidence built about the future. And I think that with Lula, this environment is going to be there. First of all, because Lula is going to be a strong supporter of multilateralism, Mm -hmm. uh, rules-based international order, and and no-power politics, and this is very important. The second thing is that uh, Lula is going to be a strong supporter of Uh, climate change negotiations and climate change measures in Brazil. Brazil has been accused of not paying too much attention to this, and Brazil was a leader before. Mm -hmm. This is a new area where we can cooperate. Mm -hmm. Then you have the cooperation on technology, a number of areas where we can do better.
1: Looking at Latin America as a whole, as I mentioned in the earlier program, Professor Huo, we we know that eight major regional countries have elected left or center-left leaders and governments. They include Mexico, Argentina, Colombia, Bolivia, Peru, Honduras, Chile, and now Brazil. And uh, the last time this happened was between late 1990s to the early 2000s. And, And not to mention that these are all the biggest countries in the region, either in terms of population or in terms of GDP. So um, what does this latest trend tell about tell us about the region, Professor Hua? And what do you think are the driving forces behind this change?
2: Uh, well from my perspective, you know, during the past years, the world is suffering from the COVID-19, from the you know uncertain situations in different parts of the world. So the Latin American countries they want a more balanced and independent foreign policy. They need I think that economy development means that they need globalization. So I think that this kind of trend suggests that the Latin American governments, they want to keep a more independent and balanced diplomatic relationship with the outside world
1: some analysts Marcos, uh point to the united states treating latin american countries as its backyard and and they say that is one of the main reasons at least why the region is having had enough is in seeking independence in terms of their foreign policy what is your view no my view is that latin america you- has a
0: high degree of independence vis-a-vis the united states the new, the, the new factor with Lula's administration in Latin America is that Brazil was distant from Latin America because we saw, you saw a number of leftist governments pop up in Latin America, starting a new uh, vision of their own countries, and Brazil with the extreme rightist government was distant from Latin America. Now we are going to be closer to the other countries. We are going to participate more in the negotiations in the region, and this is a very important point. And I think that the Latin Americans will continue to make every possible effort to have independent positions on every international issue.
1: How do you look at the turn to the, uh, the left in general, um, Ambassador? Do you see that as a trend or is just, you know, a coincidence of uh, different things happening at the same time? Is there such a trend in your eyes and what are possibly uh, some of the economic reasons driving this?
0: I think there is a trend. And it's not so much with the economic reasons, but also with the attitude of the rightist governments towards a number of topics. Uh, Societies uh, don't want to live with this kind of of indication, with this kind of direction. The other point is inequality in Latin America. Inequality is very strong, Mm -hmm. and there is a feeling that the leftist governments are better prepared to deal with inequality in the region.
1: Professor Hua, um Lula told Chinese media last year that the US dominated the global economy during his previous term of office, interfered in Brazil's politics, even celebrated his arrest, and Brazil has the right to make independent decisions. But how will he in, real, in reality conduct his foreign policy this time in office as US-China relations have grown much more tense?
2: Uh, I think that there is a lot of challenge Uh, before Lula. However, as an experienced politician, I believe that he has the capacity to judge the international situation. As I mentioned just now, Brazilian countries, they are also suffering from the COVID-19 economic stagnation. So Brazil and China, we need each other. Our economies are complementary to each other. So I think as a major country in Latin America, Lula has the opportunities and also the capacities to uh, deal with chinese relationship independently so i i'm optimistic about the future mm. between the two countries under his leadership.
1: Mm-hmm. And finally, Mr. Ambassador, China just concluded the 20th CPC National Congress with uh, Xi Jinping, uh, re-elected as General Secretary for another five years, five years. And the largest population in Latin America, which is Brazil, now is to be left, led by a leftist government. We're both part of the BRICS. So for emerging and developing countries, what would the next five years mean?
0: Well, there's a lot of space for cooperation between China and Brazil, and a lot of space for cooperation with other developing countries. I think one of the main topics uh, that Brazil and China has always uh, uh, defended in international relations is cooperation for development. And this is very important, And, and, and at a time when developing countries are in a much a more uncomfortable position in the, than in the past because of COVID and because of the distance uh, uh, to, the, to the larger and mature economies. So I think this is an area where uh, there's a lot of space to cooperate and I hope that China and Brazil will be able to make a, a difference in this area.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Ambassador Marcos de Paiva, former Brazilian ambassador to China, and Professor Huo Zhengxing from the China University of uh, Political Science and Law. We'll take a short break, and when we come back, I spoke with former Egyptian Prime Minister Essam Sharaf. He explains that Western media accusing China of discriminating its minorities is media warfare. We'll find out why after the break. We all enter this world with a universal greeting. <laughs> we then learn to speak.
0: muy <laughs>
1: Though our languages, cultures, and traditions may differ, we still share one thing in common. We have hope for humanity and the world.
3: company the
1: United
2: Nations Climate Change.
1: Hear the difference. Join our global network to connect with the world. This
3: is Niu Niu And yes Old Wisdom New Insights is back with a brand new season Just check out the historical figures we've selected for you There's the top KOL in Song Dynasty, a real
2: celebrity influencer. If I write an article about a place, it will become a tourist destination and stay popular for centuries.
3: There's the man who was so weird but so talented that almost all the famous celebrities of his time were both offended and impressed by him at the same time. To be liked or disliked, that was never the question for me. I was not really popular among my peers, but I was too occupied with my dream to even realize that. There's the successful novelist who changed his career path in his 60s and did a really good job. I say, it's never too old to follow your dream. 60, 60, just just my 30. Now, do you know who I'm talking about? If not, don't you worry. That's what the show is all about. Join me to find out with more Old Wisdom, New Insights with the Modern Twist. Just subscribe and listen to Old Wisdom, New Insights on all the major podcast platforms.
0: Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point.
1: The issue of discrimination and ethnic racism is nothing more than a media war against China. That was said by former Prime Minister of Egypt, Esam Sharaf, who has visited China for over 50 times. He added uh, that the media war launched by the West intends to slow down China's development. What makes him say that and how does he understand the Chinese path to development? Earlier, I talked to Dr. Sharaf in an exclusive interview. Let's hear what he had to say. You have served as Egypt Minister of Transportation from 2004 and 2005 and uh, also in your capacity as Prime Minister, you have visited China many, many times and you have a lot of interactions with your Chinese counterparts and ordinary Chinese people. What is one anecdote or one story you can share with us at this moment about your understanding of China that is different from how China or Chinese people or Chinese government is depicted in the international press? Of course, you know I,
4: I visited China. The first visit was in uh, 2005 when I was Minister of Transport, and uh, uh, after I left my position as Prime Minister in 2000, from 2014 to 2019, I visited China maybe 30, 35 times, and I have a lot of stories. But let me uh, select one of them. Um, I remember I was visiting Ningxia, and um, uh, uh, we were. Uh, uh, we were allowed to, to go to uh, an area where they have uh, economic houses for relatively poor people. And you have a chance, we had a chance to, to visit uh, one family, one Muslim uh, uh, family, and you had lunch with them, and actually it was a very, very nice time, and we, we talked to the people, uh, the fathers and grandfather, and also than children and we have a very fantastic time Uh, and we ate of course lunch it was uh, very nice Chinese food and the snacks and and, and, uh, why I'm saying that I have a a lot of stories but why I'm saying that because I I can say with no hesitation that I, I felt how the minority like or ethnic group like Muslims are actually enjoying they're all rights there. They have um, uh, nice housing. They have um, uh, uh, actually vacation in, in Muslim uh, 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 religious occasions. Uh, and uh, they, they, they enjoy their life. So that's why I, I, I feel that this is very important for me and very important to tell the world that this issue of discrimination and ethnic uh, racism and things like that is nothing more than a media war against China.
1: It's very interesting because you're talking about a media war. That's very strong words, you know, you, you're using there because a lot of people say, OK, bias, disinformation, misinformation, but you're actually using the words of the media war. Why do you say that? And who is launching this war against China and what's their motive?
4: Well, actually, it's a, I'm saying war because it's um, it's um, uh, have the intention of destroying, not necessarily destroying uh, buildings or uh, or uh, even people. It's destroying the capability of progression, the capability of development, capability of influencing the world. So this is, comes from the West, and I can say that you know there is a say, very important say in the West. They say the West and the rest. So the West is every everything correct, everything nice, everything beautiful is from the West, and the others are not. And that's why I always talk about China and the East. East have actually civilization much, much, much older than some uh, Western countries. Mm. When we talk about China uh, as an example, thousands of years ago uh, civilization and and uh, china they have the capability to develop and influence and things like that so so uh, uh, maybe maybe the, the uh, these countries will not uh, like uh, use milita- military military uh, war but instead they use like to use the soft power or the media war and making suspicious and and try to discern. That's why I always, feel, and, and I want to use uh, now to tell now to the Chinese people just be aware of, of this uh, uh, media war and uh, uh, soft power uh, influence because they the, the, the intend to, to try to stop or, uh, as I said, to slow down uh, China' uh, progression and development
1: where does Egypt fit in the east-west story you just told because Egypt like China also has a very long history, one of the ancient civilization, brilliant civilizations and yet you are kind of in the middle Uh, if if I'm wrong please correct me. So how do you see your path towards modernization? Uh, Are you going to follow the Western style? Are you going to follow the hybrid style? Are you going to follow the Egyptian style? What's the uh, what's the path forward in your eyes for Egypt?
4: Well, Egypt, as, you, as you said, Egypt and China are two civilizations that actually uh, wrote a good part of the human history. Uh, Egypt uh, has a civilization and uh, it's rooted very deeply in the, in the Egyptian characteristics. So if, 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 you, if you tell me that, no, as a as, 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 uh, uh, culture and civilization, we'll stick to our own characteristics however when we talk about buildings about roads we can actually uh, benefit from uh, the east and west but when it comes to our personality our characteristics our our beliefs our our uh, humankind values that goes to the our uh, rooted civilization and and uh, and just wanted to make a difference if you can drive a car from the west and you can use uh, uh, whatever airplane from the east. But this is this is just a, a trade type of thing. But when it comes to personality, when it comes to people, when it comes to beliefs, we have, I believe, Egypt still stick to the, its rooted civilization.
1: So do you also, are you also able to relate to China's desire to find a path that's suitable to China, not how other people have prescribed for China. Look, we have, you know, the Western liberal-style democracy. China, you have to follow a certain path, otherwise you are not considered democratic, you're not considered free, you're not considered, you know, one of the the, the more developed or more advanced countries in the world. Do you you relate to China's desire to hold on to its own and find its own path?
4: Yes, of course, Uh, the, the very famous, uh uh uh, statement is uh is is uh, socialism with chinese characters characteristics so it's it's a political system but we're keeping the chinese characteristics and and this is this is extremely important because i i am a believer in the soft power when when people use the soft power and media and even arts to disturb our beliefs our, our, our characteristics. This is, this is a, a very dangerous. So I, I, if I, I correctly understand your question, yes, China has to, to stick to its, its, its civilization and character. And I, I, I always say, tell my friends and colleagues here that when you go to China, you, you feel like it's, a, it's, a, it's a live civilization. Yes, everything's modern, but when you look around yourself, you feel you can feel that this is people are uh, 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 reflecting the, the, the old civilization and, and you can feel it. You know, although there is a lot of modernization, but it does not mean that uh, that uh, that uh, they, they don't stick to their basic characteristics. And I, I can tell you that very clearly from my discussions with my friends in China, either in the people or in the uh, um, uh, Communist Party or even the government.
1: Finally, uh, I imagine you must have been away from China for quite some time uh, because of all kinds of reasons, especially the pandemic. What do you miss the most? <laughs> if you are given an opportunity, what would you like to, um, to try, to taste, to experience again the most?
4: Yeah, actually, of course, I miss very much my uh, 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 visits to China. But what I what I um, actually miss the most is uh, is uh, of course we have meetings and discussions and things like that. What but what I I miss is the, this uh, flavor of culture um, and uh, and uh, discussions and learning more about the. China uh, civilization and uh, and China habits and characteristics. This is very important to me because I always have discussion with, as I said, with people, with uh, uh, party members, and with government uh, also. And um, and uh, I I I, I get out of uh, because I'm very much interested in culture. So. The more I know and the more I discuss, the more I visit different places. Mm. I visited fourteen areas in in, uh, in China. you can feel different things, but one country, one country maybe different cultures inside the country so that's it's, it adds to my uh, uh, general knowledge and adds to my strong belief in China as as uh, you. Maybe you said it's not superpower by our definition, but it's a strong country. It's a powerful country that can actually serve its people and also face challenges, whatever you call it, superpower. whatever. that's what I mean: is a strong, solid, and 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 um, capable, as I said, of serving its people and facing uh, um, uh, um, international challenges. Also. Mm.
1: Thank you very much your excellency for your high praise and uh, we do have a lot of hard work ahead and uh, uh, to deserve trust of the people like you and i hope your wish will come true to be able to have face to face discussions with your chinese counterparts and friends once again thank you so much former prime minister of egypt dr isam sharaf joining me from cairo With that, we come to the end of this edition of The Point with me, Liu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Liu Xin in Beijing. You've got the point.